Well, good morning. Thank you for being here at Journey Church with us this morning, those watching later on on YouTube as well. Uh, it's great to see so many people here. If you, you're watching online and it's been a while since you've been here, come back. We miss you. We want to talk to you and see you here. So, But it's great that you guys are here with us this morning. It's good to be up here again and sharing God's word. You know, and I haven't really had a chance since we, you know, since Pastor John has been here just to say how awesome it is. Um, one, that we had such an awesome team that was put together to help in that search committee to get John, Pastor John and Tamala here with us um, and all the work that they put into that. But then also just how God worked within that to bring someone uh, like them to our church that's so biblically minded and wants to speak uh, the love of God but through his truth as well. And it's just great to be a part of this new beginning at Journey. And so I'm excited about everything that's going on and, and the little steps that we're making within Journey. And it, it's awesome. And so it's great to be here again. You know, the problem with this is that uh, when I speak every once in a while, that means that I've stored up a lot of things I want to share. So buckle up for today, where it's going to be a long one. No, um, that's not true. But it is good to be back, you know. And you know, I come back, and Pastor John gives me, you know, the most heavy topic to talk about today. You know, um, it, it, it's one that a lot of times we don't want to talk about or even really admit you know out loud that there's what we're going to talk about today what what this topic is and you know it's something that we don't want to share one i think because it, it can be a dangerous thing and it, it can be a scary thing if we let it be if we're not uh, secure in god's power and two you know it can sometimes when we talk about this it can maybe come off for those that don't really know our Lord and, and know him as Savior, know the whole spiritual realm, we're afraid that maybe it comes off as a little weird. But what we're sharing is the truth of God's word, and it's something that we need to be prepared for. You know, we've been looking at, uh, at our world and how as Christians, we look around us and we see how things are advancing in our world but that things really aren't advancing morally. That there's this moral battle that is going on within our world. And we look at how uh, we are really at a spiritual warfare. And it's not a normal war with maybe guns or tanks and things like that. And many people don't even realize that we're in the midst of this spiritual war. But it is a battle for our souls. And it's a serious battle for our, our eternal souls. And a lot of times we don't understand who our enemy is. And, and we don't understand this war. We don't see things very clearly. Because it's, it, we're as human, our, the spiritual realm is just so uh, complicated for us. And so we've been looking at, at our enemies as Christians. And we looked first at how... Uh, the world is our enemy. And the, the things of this world, uh, as a Christian trying to live out our lives for Christ, the world can be an enemy. And then we looked at how we, a lot of times, can be our own worst enemy. You know, how our own flesh 
can be the one that we have to fight against. And then this week, we are looking at what I call the enemy of enemies. And, and I've talked about this, you know, not too long ago. Um, and so some of this I'm going to reshare again, but some of it is new as well, kind of putting those two things together. But today, we're primarily looking at 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. And it says this, you can follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bibles with you in 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9, they say, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come together and as your uh, body of believers here in Holly. I just pray that you will clear our minds and our hearts and just prepare us to hear your word and what you have to say to us today as we continue to either seek you out for the first time or to learn more of what it means to live for you. And I pray through that that if there are those here or those that we come in contact this week that don't know you as their Lord, as their Savior, that, that this will be the time that they get those questions answered. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and so I said, you know, not too long ago, I talked around this subject a little bit and I shared about how, you know, I've had friends through the years ask me about some of this stuff and and I kind of formulated a way that I respond to them that just kind of gets a reaction, which any of you know me, that's kind of how I do things. I like to get reactions. But um, a lot of, you know, when my friends would ask me about things like the supernatural or if I believed in ghosts or things like that, and I would tell them, well, you know, I don't believe in ghosts. And they would look at me kind of perplexed and as if, you know, kind of like to say, what? How is that possible? I'd say, you know, I don't believe in ghosts, but what I do believe in is much worse. And so that's kind of what I'm saying. It's kind of a heavy subject to talk about. Um, but as believers, we can know that no matter what is out there, that we have the power of the God of the universe on our side, the one that created everything, is on our side. And so it's not something for us to fear, but to be aware of. And so that's what we're looking at today. And, and so we're gonna look at our enemy and you know, just kind of look, identify our enemy and, and what, what he is and what it means. And then we're gonna look at a path to victory over that enemy. And so first we see in identifying our enemy that we do have a, spirit, a supernatural enemy. And he is real. And according to our verse, he is on the prowl for us. He's waiting for us to be able to devour us or to destroy us. And our supernatural enemy in this, these verses here is named as the devil, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for Satan. And he was once one of the most brilliant and powerful beings in heaven. 
but he rebelled against God by wanting to be God's equal or be more powerful than God himself. He decided that's where my position should be. And he in turn then became the enemy of God and in turn of us as well. He knows that he cannot win. You know that song, the, the first song we sang was perfect because Satan knows he will not win this battle. We know that we win the battle. And he can't win against God in this spiritual battle. And we've been talking about that, and so, about that, that whole battle that we've been talking about and, and all the things that go along with that. But we know that in the end, we will be victorious as followers of Jesus. And so instead, since Satan knows he's not going to win, he tries every trick in the book to convince us that as God's creation, that we should follow his ways instead of our creator's ways. That his ways are better instead of God's. And many times people don't even know that they're choosing him instead of God. And so throughout scripture we see that, it's, that Satan has talked about and describes him. In uh, John 14, it calls him the prince of this world, which we've already looked at as, you know, the, you know, we've seen that as our enemy. In Matthew 4, that he wants, that Satan wants to be worshipped as the ruler of this world. And his name is translated as adversary, an opponent. You know, he is against us. In John 8, it calls him a liar or the father of all lies and a murderer. Ezekiel says that he is prideful. His nature is of, uh, one of pride. And scripture paints him as a, as a ruler of at least some demons in his, in his realm. And the apostles call him the great deceiver that masquerades as an angel of light. And Corinthians and Ephesians say that anger and unforgiveness and resentment are what give him power. And so when we look at Satan as our enemy, you know, what does that mean? What is our enemy like? You know, what does he want from us? What does he want us to do? And when we look at that, it's important to realize that Satan is real. He's not just this red-looking being with horns and, you know, a pitchfork. You know, he's not this cute cartoon character that we see. He is a real being and he is our enemy, and he is out for us. First Corinthians says that he looks like an angel of light, where he looks good at first. It looks enticing what he's, in, what he's offering until you get involved with him. And so we're gonna look again at John 10.10, just to kind of see what Satan has in store for us. As, as people that are either have come here as followers of Jesus, but maybe you're here today, you're seeking out this whole God thing. You wanna know what it means to, to have Jesus as your savior, to have him in your life. And, and uh, Satan is after each of us. And this, these verses really kinda help us see uh, what Satan is after in our lives. And at John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes, only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, though, I have come that they may have life 
and have it to the full. And so when we think of Satan and in and, and these verses of John 10.10, 10, it tells us some things about what he wants of us. And I think, first of all, what we need to know is that the thief is, is only here to wreak havoc in our life, to cause mayhem for his own selfish gain. That's all he cares about. He knows he can't win this spiritual war, and so he wants to take as many humans with him as he possibly can when he falls. And so how does he do that? You know, there's a, a myriad of ways, but I think when we look at these verses, we can kind of narrow it down. As Christians, you know, Satan knows he can't touch us for eternity. The battle for our souls has been won. But as followers of Jesus, you know, we are safe in the arms of our creator. You know, we know that he can't touch us for eternity. But what he can do is to those that are sold out, for those of us that are here that say, I live my life as best as I can in following Jesus and every day doing what he asked me to do. For those of us that we might call sold out to living with Jesus, that his job, Satan's job, is to make us ineffective by stealing our joy. Satan wants to steal our joy. And when we look at joy, joy is really a Bible word that's deeper than happiness. Because happiness is based on a happening. You know, something good happens, when things go right, we're happy. But joy is really a passion that God promises to give to followers of him. We can have joy no matter what. The passion and enthusiasm and happiness that never goes away, no matter what is going on, no matter what we may be feeling at the time, we still have a confidence and a joy in Jesus that it's going to work out the way it should. And so we have this joy. You know, and people wonder about about those of us that have joy in our life. They look at us and they see havoc going on around us and they think, how are you still the way you are in the midst of all of this? And people wanna know about that joy. They see something different and they wanna know where does that come from? Where do you get that? And, and we can tell them that it is because we have a relationship with our God, with our Creator, that it's through Jesus that we can, even in the midst of chaos, can have joy. But you know what the thief wants to do if we're sold out is he wants to put things in our life, put things in our mind and our thoughts and our way that make us start thinking that maybe joy isn't the way to go. You know, that maybe we should you know, be angry about things, or maybe we should feel sorry for ourselves and, and wish that we were somewhere different or doing something different instead of having our joy. And Satan wants to steal our joy. And you know why? Because that makes us ineffective. So others no longer wanna ask us about our life or about our creator. And that really leads to our next point that he wants to kill our witness. And we think, well, why would Satan want to kill our witness? Well, here's why. If you're a Christian and you may not be living God's way completely, but if you're a Christian, here's what happens. You know, again, Satan has lost us for eternity. 
We know that Christ died on that cross for our sins, for our forgiveness. We're eternally secure. Satan has lost that for eternity. But here's what he wants to do. He wants to make you ineffective today as a witness. He wants you to be uh, totally ineffective, to be what we might call a stumbler. You have fallen away from living the way Jesus has asked us to live. And typically when that happens, you're ineffective. People look at our lives and even if we try to talk about Jesus, they look and say, really, you're a Christian? I wouldn't have guessed that. You go to Journey Church? I, you know, you're not much different than I am. You know, if that's what Christianity is about, and, uh, I don't really want that. I don't really need that. You know, he's just killed our witness. And if you're consistently not living as God has asked us to, you know, and how he wants us to live, people are not going to listen when we talk about our Savior. People are usually understanding when we mess up every once in a while. We know that you know, we're not perfect, and, and that usually comes through anyways in our life. And when we do mess up, we take the right steps. We ask for forgiveness. We say, I messed up. I didn't do things right here. You know? and, and people see that, and they're usually forgiving in those circumstances. But when it's a consistent living, and living away from what God has asked us to do, it doesn't go very far. And that's what Satan wants to do. He's lost us for eternity, so he might as well as make you as ineffective today as he can, so others don't turn to Jesus. Then, for those of us who are here, those of us that are here today, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You came here today just checking out this whole God thing and, and uh, wanting to find out more, what it means to follow Jesus and what a church is about. I have to tell you, you have now entered into a spiritual battle because Satan doesn't want you to know about our Savior, Jesus, and what he can do for you in your life. He wants to keep you as far away as he can while he's at it. And while he's doing that, he wants to quickly, as quickly as he can, destroy your life. And I know that to say that out loud seems radical to, to people. But Satan wants to blind us from the truth of God's love for our lives. And he will do that by any means necessary. And you, know, you may say, you know, I'm not a Christian. You know, my friend invited me here, my neighbor. And you know, I, I've been listening to things that Journey's been talking about. And I like what you guys have to say. You know, I like coming here. It seems people are friendly. And there's something inside me that's going like, yeah, I like that. You know, this seems like something that you know, I should have in my life. I'd like to know more about following Jesus. Well, you know what that is? That is God. That is the Spirit trying to get to you, to let you know about God's love for you. 
But you're going to walk out of here and you're going to go and tell somebody, hey, guess what I did this weekend? I, I went to the Journey Church. And you're going to be all excited and tell them they're nice people, it's friendly, they have great coffee when you come in, you know, and you're going to be all excited about it. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, you went to where? You went to church? What are you doing that for? That's dumb. That's a waste of your time. All that is is a bunch of set of rules of what you can and can't do. It's a killjoy. I can't believe that you would do that. And Satan would love for you to die without knowing the truth of God's love, without knowing God's ways and his love for you. Satan wants to destroy your life. You know, if I could, if I could draw a picture of the doors leading you know, to eternity and to the world's way, the door leading to the world's way would, would be wide, it would be huge, and it would be decorated and look attractive, and you'd see lots of people going through that, and you'd think, well, there's lots of people going through this door. You know, it's wide and attractive and seductive to, to want to go that way. And if I would draw you a picture of God's door, the, to God's way, it would be narrow. There would be a few people going through and maybe you'd kind of have to go around each other, maybe help pull each other through that door a little bit and, and get through that door. And, you know, maybe we don't see a lot of people going through that door. And you see, that picture doesn't come from my imagination. It, it's from God's word. In Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small, the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. Now, I don't know what makes the world's way attractive to you. It's different for everybody. You know, what makes that wide door so attractive to people. But if I were to give you an image, that I think most people are attracted to, and some of you probably have heard this illustration before, because it's one of my favorites, but you know, uh, if I were to give you an illustration, most people that I've ever met, unless they are lactose intolerant or weird in some way, most people like ice cream, right? Uh, anybody here like ice cream? Anybody have a favorite kind of ice cream? Some people just like ice cream in general. That's me. Yeah, that's me. Um, you know, my you know, biggest place, if you ever are looking for me in person and you think, I go to Nick's house, he's not there. I go here, he's not there. I go to his work, he's not there. If you're going around looking for me and you need to find me in person, good chances through the summer from May until October, so I even know the times, um, if you go to Battle Alley in downtown Holly to Ziggy's, there's a good chance you will find me there. <laughs> I love ice cream. It's just the way it is. I love it. And um, luckily, you know, my family does too because every once in a while they'll text me, Ziggy's? 
and they know what I'm going to answer, <laughs> you know. And so, but that's the way most people are. Most people love ice cream. But, but you know, I imagine, you know, be, imagine that behind that world's way, behind that door is ice cream. And, you know, uh, and you could talk about money or popularity or, you know, having a good job or whatever, get, making it in the world. It could be whatever is attractive for the world's way. But if we say ice cream, you know, I, I just imagine what if you had ice cream since you were a child? Even as a baby, you were fed ice cream. My dad loved ice cream, so I have an idea that this is probably why I am the way I am. As a baby, he probably gave me ice cream. And you dream. When you dream, you dream of ice cream. And, you know, your first bike, you don't want it to be an ordinary bike. You want it to be an ice cream bike. And when you get old enough to drive, you don't want a normal car. You want an ice cream truck. You could bathe in ice cream, you would. A jacuzzi of just vanilla, you know. Your first house wouldn't be typical, it would be an ice cream palace. You would kill for ice cream, because you love it so much. So anyways, it's appealing, it's attractive. And you, know, and you would step beyond that, and you would go, you would do anything to go beyond that door to get that ice cream. But what if that ice cream that looks so attractive, so good, wasn't really ice cream. And again, you've probably heard this illustration, but it's just one of my favorites, because when Jenny and I were first married, and we were a young couple, you know, I was from Holly, she was from Fenton, in the country of Rose Township, and you know, we didn't, our families were, you know, low income, we didn't, it's not like we went out places and, and anything, so we weren't used to these fancy type things, and uh, we got invited to someone's wedding, uh, I think someone from our church, their kids were getting married, and we were invited to this wedding, and of course it was fancy, weddings are fancy, and uh, we were young married people, we were hungry 90% of the time, uh, you know, our idea was of a great meal was how we could uh, spice up ramen noodles. And uh, I, would say, I always said I was gonna make a cookbook of 101 ways to make ramen noodles. And so we were excited about going to this wedding because it was gonna be something fancy and nice and, you know, and different. And so we, hurried, after the wedding, we like, yes, let's go, beelined it to the reception. We get there and, you know, we didn't realize that you know, it takes a while for everybody else to get there. And so we're sitting at this big empty table and no one else is around us and we're hungry and uh, waiting there and we're looking around and we see in the middle of the table these big bowls of ice cream just kind of sitting there in like little trays of ice, you know. And we're like, you know, if we eat that before anybody gets here, they're not going to know that it was on our table. You know, and when they get here, we'll be like, Hi, we noticed that other tables had ice cream on their table, you know? Do you think we could get some of that? And so, you know, we were hungry. And so we, we look at this nice, attractive ice cream, and truthfully, I can't remember who it was, but I will say it's Jenny, because it sounds better. Um, one of us picked up this little big, this big thing of what we thought was an ice cream patty, popped it in our mouth. And what it was, was whipped butter. 
Whip butter looks just like ice cream to someone from Rose Township. <laughs> you know, it looked like a little scoop of vanilla ice cream. And, you know, Jenny puts this thing in her mouth and, of course, spitting and it's gross. I mean, it's butter. Other than Trinity, nobody else would want to do that. And I tell you all that because it's a good illustration of what the world's way looks like. You know, there's this element of attraction to go through that door. There's something seductive and seducing and exciting about living the world's way. And it seems so fun, but you know what? What looked like ice cream really turns out to be butter. And the gag reflex really, you know, is a good picture of what happens in our life. Our life becomes a gag reflex and the consequences that we live are, are, leave us in a sickening state. And most people want out of that once they get there. Eventually they want out. But sometimes the addiction of it is so hard in our life, it's tough to get out. And that's a picture of what, what, what the Bible says. You know, what it sets, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life. I'm going to give you real ice cream. You see, God's way is not easy, but it's good. And sometimes people can't see the difference between a butter and ice cream because they're blurred from the truth. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, it says that Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And some of you are here today and you try to bring your friends to church and some of them come and they, they like it. They, they, this is what they're looking for. They don't know that you could come to church and meet people and be friendly and laugh. They don't know you could have relationships. They didn't know what this is all about. Then other people come and, and it's just like what this Bible says. Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded their minds. They aren't able to see and they're not gonna get it. Now, if I stopped here, this would be depressing. It would be bleak that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And so what can be our plan to victory from our enemy? You know, there's so much to talk about in this. It's hard to get it into an hour of talking. I'm just kidding. 40 minutes tops of talking. But the bottom line is there is a spiritual enemy. Scripture says we shouldn't mess with that. There are divine beings who are out to turn us away from our God and, he, and what he wants for us and the love that he has for us. And they will use anything in our life to do that. Temptations of of what he knows will get us to draw us away. And who, that could be the ghost of a loved one, a vice from beyond, things that we lust or crave, things that control our lives, maybe even pride or money, 
They use those things to draw us away from our God. So what do we do? Well, the first thing is to know that Satan has no claim on your life. If you are a child of God, a follower of Jesus, Satan loses ownership of you. And that's your first step, to recognize your need to be saved. When you realize your need to be saved, you say, well, how am I, how am I to be saved? How do I climb that ladder? How do I earn that? The answer is you can't earn that ladder. You've been given the ladder. You've been rescued through belief. And this is what it says in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You say, well, wait, how am I saved? It says, you believe that Jesus died in your place. He died on the cross for you. You can't earn your way to God. You can't come to church enough for God. You can't read your Bible enough for God. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. And you are saved by saying, I believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sin, but rose again the third day. With the power of God, he is alive because he is the son of God. And he did that for us. But then Romans also says that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means there's a change inside of you. You could believe something, but it not affect your life. You can believe something and it doesn't do anything to you. This says this, Jesus is your Lord, your King, the one you follow with your life. You say, God, I need you. I want a relationship with you. I need you to forgive me of my wrong, my sins, and I need you to lead my life. That's the first step in victory over Satan, giving your life to Jesus, living for him. Then the next two commands in helping us, Peter gives us in verse eight of our verses today, they come rapid fire because they're so important. You know, he says there's a danger out there. There's a lion waiting to destroy you out there. And in first he says, you need to be alert. And we could translate this to be watchful, be vigilant, be awake. The idea is here that you, you can't be sleepy. You can't just let things go on. You know, when you're thinking, you can't just let things happen. You know, the one who's asleep is unaware and there's dangers all around them. So he's telling us, be alert, be aware of the dangers, the things that are gonna pull you down. Don't be sleepy. And you know, there's something about knowing about danger that's around that helps you stay alert. When you know, when you're alert to that, you are careful about what you, what you get involved with. It's like when you're in a dark place or an unknown place, you know, you're usually more alert. You pay better attention to things going around you so that you don't get into trouble. And that's what he's talking about here. You don't just go along with whatever is happening or whoever says or going along with these certain people, but be alert to what is happening, to what you are doing or what you're getting into. Don't fall into a trap that gets a hold of you. 
but be aware of the dangers around you. You know, that's what Peter says here. And, and he says, you know, your adversary, the devil, is prowling. You know, so prowling, if you think of, if you know how a lion acts, you know, it, when he goes for his kill, he runs, of course, but at first, it's just, you know, prowling, just watching, waiting to make that jump, seeking who he will devour. And, you know, we look at the images of Satan, it denotes a subtle difference in the different ways that we see Satan throughout Scripture. As a serpent, he's crafty and seductive. As a dragon, ugly and destructive. Angel of light, he's deceitful and deceptive. But here in 1 Peter, Satan's described as a lion. It's powerful to be feared. He's coming for destruction of our lives. I mean, how many of us would like to meet a lion in the open field? Not me. Not much a roaring lion who's hungry and territorial and and wants to make his power known. And then Peter says we need to be sober. You know, the opposite of of, of being sober is being drunk. But Peter isn't advocating that we simply ought to stay away from too much alcoholic beverages. But Peter's using this imagery here to describe alertness to our danger. You know, the, if we think of a drunk driver, they get into trouble because they're not alert enough to react to cars and pedestrians that they encounter in their route. The drunken man gets in trouble because they're not alert enough to measure the effect of their words and what they're really saying and who they're saying that to. But Peter's warning us is to not be drunk pertaining to the dangers of sin and of Satan that are all around us. Rather to be in control of our mind and our lives, to know what is taking place so that we're able to react when we need to. We're able to, to, when we're alert, we go, oh, no, not that. And we react right away. In 1 Peter 1.13, Peter writes, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Peter's idea is that we ought to have clear understanding of the hope that we have in Christ. Don't be out of control in our thinking. And then last, in verse 9, he says, we are to resist Satan, and he will flee from us. It isn't that we should go on the hunt for Satan. We shouldn't seek him out to defeat him. You know, it's not that we should rebuke him, but Peter tells us that we should stand in defense Resist him. Hold our ground. You know, literally, Peter in, in that translation is, I'm not moving. You know, that, that resist him is a military term describing the holding of a position. You know, kind of like you're shoulder to shoulder. Every one of us as believers, we're shoulder to shoulder. You know, if you think of maybe like when they have riot police and they stand there shoulder to shoulder with their helmets on, their face shields on, their shields up, they're lying together. Nobody is going to get past them because they're standing their ground. That's a picture of God's church. 
That's what Peter is saying. We need to stand firm in our faith. You know, and we see that as well, and I think Pastor John is going to talk about this next week in Ephesians 6, of putting on the full armor of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. But Peter boils down that strategy to two things, standing firm in your faith, resisting him in your faith. Don't deny your faith. Don't fear the suffering that may come as a result of your faith. But keep believing in God's promises for your life. And though the devil roams around like a roaring lion, he's still under the sovereign hand of God. God will protect us from him. He will protect us, and it says in verse 5, through faith. And that's what Peter is saying. Resist the devil through your faith. In other words, keep walking on the path that you know you should go. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying for one another. Keep spending time with Christians. Going to church. Keep thinking about the good things of God. And you might hear that roaring line off in the distance. Like if you ever watched any of those nature shows, you know, people are driving around, they stop to look, and you can hear off in the distance, you know, and you might hear that lion off in the distance, but if you just stay on your straight walk, God's mighty hand will protect you. And so, do you need to overcome Satan's attacks? Stand firm on your faith. And then also he says, no, the others are suffering as well. It's so easy to get isolated, to think, I'm the only one doing this. I'm the only one that struggles with this. I'm the only one that's suffering. And we feel bad about ourselves or knock ourselves down or we feel guilty or we feel uh, insecure or we feel sorry for ourselves because we think I'm the only one going through this. But Peter says that there are others that are suffering through the same things that you are. And they're enduring with the power of God. You know, Jesus has suffered upon that cross for our sins. We've been called to follow him in 1 Peter 2.21. That because of what Christ has done, that we are to, he, is the, he is leading us as an example of what we will do. So when we're suffering, there, it's comforting to know that others are struggling that's why I think, you know, it talks about in Scripture of uh, confessing to one another, helping one another, because then we realize, I struggle with that same thing. So are you facing financial difficulties, facing marriage problems? Do you feel you're being treated unfairly at work, or your family is, someone in your family suffering from a deadly disease, or you don't have a job, or your children are going astray, or... You have water in your basement. You know, your, your spouse has deserted you. You're feeling overwhelmed with the busyness of your life and work. Many are feeling or have felt that exact same thing. And I don't care what problems or difficulties we face. There's others that can help us because they've been there as well. And we need a realistic expectation of what it means to believe and follow Jesus. That it's not easy. It is good, but it's not easy. And we need each other through those times. 
And as David is going to come to play to close out today, we need to start to think. Do I want to stand firm in my faith? What is that faith that we are to stand firm in? We know it's the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, for our wrongs. We come to God as sinners, but God treats us as saints. When we face the attacks of the devil, we face them as sinners desperately in need of God's help in our lives. And we should believe that God will help us. He's helped us in the past by removing our sins through Christ. And he will help us in the future by guarding us against the devil. And so maybe you're here today and as we talked earlier, you don't know what it means to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to have forgiveness of your sin, of your wrong, to have that burden lifted from you, you know, to have purpose in your life, promise of eternity in heaven when you die so that no matter what satan cannot touch you for eternity today can be the day that you can decide to change your life for better for eternity and the bible says you just need to accept god's free gift of salvation ask him for forgiveness for your wrong to believe that jesus came to this world lived a perfect life as the son of god chose to die on that cross for the penalty of our sins, a price that we couldn't have paid, but by the power of God rose again to life. He did that for us. And now we want to give, and now we want to give our life to him because of what he's done as our king. If you have questions about that today, you know, see me today or see Pastor John or someone that you came with that can help you make that important decision today. But maybe you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus. You know Satan has no power over you at all. You have the almighty, all power for God on your side and he stands with us in everything. But maybe there are things in, in, in our life that we that are stealing our joy, that are killing our witness, that we need to be more so sober and alert about in our life and just resist what Satan is throwing at us and do what's right. We need to resist the devil and his schemes to steer us away from the wrong direction and he'll flee from us. We can live lives that are honoring to our God so what we're going to do is just take some time as, as David plays, just take a, a minute or so to think about if, do I need to make that decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, my Savior? You can do that now. Or what are some ways in my life that I need to be more sober and alert in? So if you just need to, you can close your eyes just to concentrate on what maybe God is telling you through his word. And then I'll close in prayer in a moment.
Dear Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. The privilege that we have to come here and worship you together as your church. I just pray that there's someone here today that needs to know you as their Lord and Savior, that today they find that out for sure. For those of us that are followers of you, Lord, I just pray that you ingrain it into our hearts and our minds and our lives to be alert and sober, to, to see where the devil is attacking us in our lives, to steal our joy and to kill our witness. I pray that we live our lives that are continually honoring you and bring joy to the to not just our own lives, but to those around us so that they ask us what we have and what's so different and we can tell them about the love of our God. I just thank you so much for your love for us that you send your son Jesus to die in our place. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning at Journey. Uh, I'm so glad to see so many faces, some new faces as well. Um, again, if you want to talk to Pastor John, he's here, or myself, um, and helping and taking those next steps. We're excited about next week with the baptism. If you, again, if you want to take that next step in baptism, see Pastor John with that as well. Thank you, and have a great afternoon.